go. All right. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to episode 14 of the Promptly Written Podcast. Concept here is pretty simple. Every month we pick a writing prompt, we write stories based on that prompt, and then we talk about them. My name is Matt Shigarek, and with me as always, Ian Lewis. What's up, Ian? Hey, man. What's up? Uh, not much. I feel, I'm feeling good because this officially kicks off the second year of the Promptly Written Podcast. Yeah, that's exciting. I know. It's really exciting. So I thought that that could probably be our first topic of discussion for today. I have a couple of questions that I just kind of wrote here. And it looks like you added one in there, which I like. Um, but what do you do you feel like the show's Im- had any impact on your writing overall? Uh, I would say maybe it's made me a little bit more prolific. I don't know if prolific is the right word, but uh, obviously you're under a time crunch. And I put myself under even a more strict time crunch because I'm writing other things at the same time. Right. You know, for my for my work in progress. And so. I say like basically the first week after we record an episode and we know the next prompt, like that's the time I give myself to to do the next story because I want the rest of the month to get back to my main stuff. So I think by doing that, I, I am able to take smaller increments of time that I get for my other stuff and hammer out more, more stuff than I normally would maybe. So we're pretty much exact opposites on this front yeah, because I'm sure. yeah it's it's like so you know I'm I have a work in progress that I'm working on right now it's going to function as my thesis so you know I'm I'm writing for school and I'm writing this podcast and essentially as soon as we're done recording I go back to school and the work in progress and then about a week and a half before we're set to record that's when I start writing the the story for the podcast so I actually finished writing the story I'm going to read today yesterday yeah yeah like last night <laughs> so, yeah so uh yeah but i think um i don't know i think this this show kind of helped help me get outside the i, I don't want to say like right outside the box but i've always found writing prompts to be a little challenging and a lot of times it's just like there's there's been a couple of these stories where i just have no idea like i forget let me i'm trying to think of one in particular I, w- I would say that in a sense that's sort of refreshing, at least for me, because if, you know, what, when I'm operating under like, okay, I have a specific idea for like a book I'm working on, you have this vision of what you want it to be, but your ability to get it there is not always easy. And it's like, ah, I'm like racking my brain on how to, how to realize my vision. Whereas with this, it's like, oh, it's a totally open-ended prompt. It, it it becomes a very organic process in a lot of cases. Just write something and not feel pressured to try to meet this kind of standard you have in your head. Right, right. Yeah, I think it, like it's it's making me write things that I in genres I never would have written before. Like today's story is a little bit different than anything else I've done, and you'll see why. Yeah, um, and I'll explain why. I think it's just you know it's just getting me writing more, which I think is just improving my writing overall. Oh, yeah. I think you put this next question out there, too. Like, I think you put all these questions out here. What are you most looking forward to in year two? Um, I, I mean, I guess I'm just I, I'm curious to see if I can keep going, like um, quality wise. Like uh, I, I, I'm not, not not to I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but like at least I've been personally pleased and impressed with my ability to come up with something new every month, which mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, at some at some point in the past, I would not have been able to do that. I don't think because um, creativity a lot of times is not something you turn on like a faucet. You know what I right. mean? It's like 
sometimes it's flowing and sometimes it isn't. So I, I was able to relatively easy come up with content for 12 different stories last year, which to me, I impressed myself, I guess, when I did that. But yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's I, I didn't write anything that like I, I was worried I was going to be writing garbage at some point because I just couldn't come up with something. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's stories that you like better than others and whatnot, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to see what comes out next because I've already like I've done a couple of things in the first year that I never tried before. Like I've never tried the first person thing before. Um, today's episode is in a genre that I've never really attempted before. So and it, it it's light. It's not like deep into the genre or whatever. But um, what I like about the podcast is I don't feel like I. Th- don't get me wrong. I'm striving to put out the best story that I possibly can, given the amount of time and the prompt that we have mm-hmm. or whatever. But I don't feel the same amount of pressure to get it absolutely perfect as I would when I'm writing something else. Does that I make agree. sense? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think what I'm looking most forward to is to see what new things I try. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the beauty of it is that you're not constrained to really anything from month to month. Right. Right. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. I know what my favorite episode for me is. I'm trying to think of my favorite episode from you. So do you have a favorite episode or a favorite story from the year? So it, it's it's hard for me to think about, I guess, favorite episodes in the, in the sense that like sometimes I think we had better banter than others or whatnot. But sure. as far as favorite stories go, I, I, I think from a conceptual or technical perspective, I really liked – the boy who cried wolf episode. That was fun. I liked that story a lot. Um, but I also liked the watch story we did. I think it was episode seven. Um, so the boy who cried wolf, I think was episode 10 episode seven, I think under the, or not under the influence. That was, a um, little did we know, I think was the watch story. I liked that one a lot because I don't normally do humor. And I felt like that was sort of like my stab at humor. Absolutely. Um, the anti-heroes 1.0, I think that was my favorite. For was me. a good one. I liked that one a lot. And then I, st- I kind of have a soft spot for, um, I think it would have been episode three ish there about what the, the story was called super red. It was sort of my take on a, like a bond likes 50s spy yeah. thing. And I liked that one just, just cause I liked the bond stuff. But what about you? Well, I think, I think my favorite story that you wrote over the past year was anti heroes 1.0. I really like those characters and I know that there's going to be, potential for them to hopefully come back in or whatever. So I'm excited about that. I'm, I, I listen, uh, if, if, as long as we're like, I'm just going to give the same disclaimer. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but that whole, like, um, the, the last ep- episode 12, when I did the, the guy talking to his poop, <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. Like I was, that one was masterfully done. I will say that I was so worried that it wasn't going to land and then it landed and it just made me so happy. But at the same, and I, I also got to say that I, I, I really liked the stories that, that fuck, I can't even talk. I wrote the story episode one, right? And then you came back and wrote the story nails which showed the police investigator like coming in and and going through the mess that my characters had left. Right. So um, I I guess this also plays into what I'm most looking forward to in year two. Uh, I think it's my turn and I got to figure out a way to work them back into one of the stories. 
So that's, that's a goal of mine. I actually, I was looking at the, um, I, I deliberately put one of the prompts into this month's poll so that I could kind of lead into that. And unfortunately it did not win. Did so, not win. <laughs> so I don't uh, think we have any rules against re-entry of prompts, right? No, we could probably put it in there again, but at the same time, it might be more challenging for me to try to do it with a prompt that I didn't create. Sure. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think, I think those were all my favorites. I think it was a good nice. year one, man. It was a good year one. Yeah. I'm excited for year two. Yeah. All right. So I, I have a, a little like writing craft type thing that I just kind of wanted to rant about because um, as I was going through this last class, it was a, it was a fiction workshop. So um, essentially what I submitted was chapter one of my work in progress, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, it's a supernatural thriller. Um, it actually contains characters from two of the episodes of year one of this podcast. Like this podcast gave birth to the work in progress that will become my master's thesis. So did you combine siphon and a shift in habit? Shift, yes. Shift in habit was the, um, the priests, the priests. Yes. I combined siphon and the priests. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so essentially I wrote a prologue, which was the short story with um her name was Susie in the in the short story I changed it to Sarah in the work in okay. progress but with Rose in the stealing of the souls or whatever that's the prologue right so right. chapter 1 was something that I wrote completely new that introduces the character of Justin and at the end of that chapter he is abducted by his brother okay so that was chapter 1 but so I got a lot of feedback and I got a lot of good feedback and most of the people that commented on on that chapter were asking the questions that I wanted people to be asking at the end of a chapter one. Like, that's what you want. Mm. You want people asking questions, right? They want to know right. more. Yep. So somebody made a comment that the tone of voice that I used between the two brothers didn't speak to that of a supernatural thriller because it's supposed to be dark and looming. And I was like, well, sure, but they're brothers. So they're going to talk to each other like they're brothers. And it's just like in, you know, I've, I've seen this kind of feedback a lot where people want you to write to the tropes of a genre. And in some ways you should, because the people who are reading a horror story or a thriller or, or a Western or a science fiction book expect to see certain tropes, but it's your job to present them in a different way. And I think the way that I present them is with my voice and the voice yeah, I, of the characters, right? I'll say two things on that. So one, I, I don't think it's out of place to have some – I don't know if they were if if they were having an issue with like some levity or humor maybe. It was a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like so to me that, that, that sits really well in that type of a story. I mean any – especially like a horror story, there's always some semblance of – almost seems like there's humor – like to lead in to like sort of like kind of ground you even though you know something terrible is coming right mm-hmm. i mean I, f- I feel like that's that's something that you see a lot um but the other thing too is like you can be a genre fiction writer and just churn out formulaic stuff and make and, and make money at it i mean that if that's what you want to do that's fine but mm-hmm. you know to me that's the same type of concept as like a a, a band who 
is you know we're we're put together by the label and they they're they're just playing whatever the the current trend is right and so there's there's no artistic integrity with it and so I think you should write what you want how you want it you know obviously you want it to sell but like you shouldn't be writing it because you want to sell you should be writing it because that's your artistic expression because it's the story you want to tell right you know so and and that that was kind of my take and i i found this i had this link in there but i must have removed it or something but i saw this guy on twitter his name's trey stone he's an author um i'll link to the tweet or whatever but uh he said one thing i wish someone had told me when i started writing is to not spend so much time trying to iron out the things that make my writing unique i'd admire the style and voice of others not recognizing my own take time to get to know yours it's awesome and it is just like, you know, that's exactly it. Like when I see it a lot and I think – I don't know if it's just because I'm going through the program and these people are – and I'm taking classes and it's just like there's so many people that are so concerned with doing it quote unquote right that they're not making it their own. Yeah. I mean, you know, there is a flip side of that because like not everyone can write well and just because you're going out and doing it your own way doesn't mean that it's good either. But but there's there's something to be said for like learning the rules before you before you break them kind of a thing and I think some of the best some of the best stuff either in fiction or even even in music and I I always tie those two things together in my in my head for some reason but the the best stuff is is, is the stuff that I think defies convention and genre a little bit absolutely. Um, if you can seamlessly blend things and you can pick up influences, but they're not kind of weird hodgepodge. They're, they're, they're like sort of a new animal. And to me, that's the best stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you. I just wanted to bring that up. It was kind of just a vent that, um, I just want to like every once in a while, something just like, just like triggers like a nerve and I need to like shout about it. <laughs> And since and since I have this vehicle in which I can shout about things and people listen, I figured I'd take the opportunity to do so. Fair enough. So yeah. So um, I have a couple of another quick topics, and then I think we can get right down to the stories. Uh, this one, I'm I'm assuming you're probably not going to have a whole lot of um, feedback into, but NanoRimo starts next month. So when the next episode comes out, we'll already be writing. So I want kind of wanted to talk about it now. I've mentioned countless times that I'm currently in an MFA program, and I actually um, had a phone call with the um, the director of the writing program, and I'm already organizing kind of my thesis courses, and I have my my instructor picked out, and everything's going. So it's like I need to have my first. I don't need to have. I would like to have my first draft done of this novel by February first. How much do you have done so far? Just chapter one in the prologue? I have, and I have very rough chapter two, chapter three. Wow. That's, that's pretty ambitious, man. It, well, it, it's a lot. So I, I mean, honestly, the, the way that the, the thesis program works is essentially I have 16 weeks to draft, polish, and have everything ready to go. So what I would like to do is be as close to having that draft done is possible. So I don't have to waste class time writing a first draft and I can use all 16 of those weeks to revise and polish. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if I'm not completely finished by February 1st, I'm okay with that. But 
I'm really going to try to use, like, I'm not so concerned with using NaNoWriMo to reach 50,000 words in a month. Because honestly, I don't have time to write 1,600 words a day. I just don't. I could probably do that a few times a week. But, um, like, I don't think I'll hit 50,000 words in November. And I don't really like to hold myself to daily word counts because sometimes the words come out and sometimes they don't. Does that make sense? Yep. So, but what I want to do is try to use it as, like, try to write every day. Whether that's 100 words, whether that's 1,000 words, you know, whether it's 2,000 words, whatever. It, I just need to make progress every day. Because in the month of December, I don't have a class. Like, I'm, I'm completely free. I didn't have – the class that I needed to take wasn't available in December, so I had to wait till January. So I have the whole month of December off. So if I can start building momentum in November and just carry that mindset through December, I, th I think I could be pretty close to – you know, getting this draft on. Oh, good luck. So that's going to be me. I'm going to try to do organized writing sprints on Twitter a few times a week. I'll post them out there. Um, generally, a couple people usually write with me and, and float back how many words they wrote. I'm usually good for, if I'm doing an hour, I can usually put out anywhere between 650 and 1,000 words, depending on how much time I spend thinking or how much it's ready to go. So... You know, we'll see how it is. If I'm if I'm going by my outline, I think this book is going to be approximately 35 chapters. Okay. So I, I'm generally able to knock out about a chapter a week okay. if I'm on top of things. So that that's my pace. Mm -hmm. So I don't, how, I don't know where you'll be. How long are your chapters? Usually between six and eight pages in Word, double-spaced. So what do you know what that comes out to like word count? I don't. Okay. Cuz I would say that I've been averaging something like 2500 words a week or a day in a chapter. Like oh, my okay. chapters are essentially I I'm treating my chapters essentially like short stories but longer, yeah. you know, so I'm like anywhere between I figure they're going to be anywhere between like 2 and 4000 words a chapter. That's what I'm kind of kind of going for. We'll see how that progresses. Um, I here's the here's the problem. I have the first ten chapters outlined, like ready to go, right? Mm -hmm. I know how the book is going to end, so I know what the last five chapters are going to be. Everything else in the middle, like I have a general idea of what I want them to do, but there's going to be it's it's kind of like a playground right there. So like what I'm really trying to do is bust out these first 10 chapters because they're planned as quickly as possible. Like I know what they're going to be. I just need to sit down and do it so I can go play with my characters. So we're going to see how that goes. So yes, uh, NaNoWriMo will be my kickoff to getting this first draft completed by February. Wish me luck. Yeah. Good luck. It's uh, we'll see how it goes. You know what I mean, though? Like, if I'm paying for two classes with a with a dedicated instructor that is literally there just to help me revise and answer my questions, I should be using that, that time to revise the story that I have and not write it. Yeah, that makes sense. That's my plan. We'll see how it goes. I'll be submitting, like, in this class that I just started this week, I'll be submitting chapters two and three 
for my workshop. So those are all kind of revised. Chapter one's okay. I think it's missing something, but I don't think I know what it needs yet. I think it's going to depend on what happens in the future. So that's that. Cool. The last topic that I want to talk about is super quick, but if you've been listening to us for over the past year, um, you, you know that like every once in a while we start talking about watches. Ian has a hankering for, I think mostly analog watches, but I think a couple of digital creep in there every once in a while. Am I right? I've got one digital. You got one digital, but I, um, I, I, I'm kind of a fan of the everyday carry community. You know, I have pens and notebooks and I have like little keychains and I love looking at pocket knives and all this shit that people carry around with them all times. So this watch popped up into my email and like, I'm in love with this watch. Don't go down the rabbit hole, man. Once you, once you're like, Oh, I just one more watch. And then like, uh, well, I'm in the process of condensing right now my, myself, but see, here's the thing. If this watch was what more of what I considered to be a reasonable price for someone of my means, I would have a hard, like a hard time saying no to it, but because of its price, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not going to pay, pay for this watch, but, um, I should probably tell people what it is. It is the Timex American documents, 41 millimeter leather strap watch. We're going to put the link in the show notes so you can check it out. Ian, are you looking at this right now? Yeah. What do you think about this? I, I think it's a, I think it's a good looking watch. It's, um, it's sort of got a, uh, you know, a classic kind of a design. It's not something that I don't think would, would go out of style, you know, so it's something you could invest in and, and hang on to for a long time. I think it's very simple. Yeah. It's kind of got a dressy look. I think if I, if I bought it, it would be like, like a dress watch kind of a thing, but I'm with you there. So let me ask you this. Okay. So I'm just going to, I'm just, I mean, this watch is $495. Now I, I, I do have, I do have an Apple watch on my wrist right now that, you know, was just a little bit less than that. But I just, I can't, like, is this a, like, you know watches, is this a $500 watch? So it's got a Swiss quartz movement in it, which, you know, just at first blush is a good thing, but I don't know enough about the the specific movement to say, but me personally, I would be hard pressed to spend that much on a quartz watch of any stripe, but that's just me. Like when I saw this in my email, I was like, okay, this, this, it's a relatively simple looking watch. You know what I mean? It's a stainless steel case probably, which is a desirable feature in watches. Because mo- most, of, most, of most of what Timex uh, puts out is a, is a brass case that's got like a, a plating on it. So it's not actual steel. Like a nickel plate or something on it? Something like that, yeah. Got it. Okay. But well, and then I saw Timex and I don't equate Timex's name they're like an everyday and every man affordable brand. I mean, they're, they're just, they, they generally have no pretense about them and that's sort of their thing. So it, it is a big ask for Timex, I think. I saw this and I was like, oh, this is probably like a sweet hundred dollar watch. Like, hello, Christmas list. Like, right. Thank you. And then I clicked on the link and I'm like, holy shit. So, okay. So let's say that you, you were going to, there's, there's four different styles here. There's a stainless steel black and white. There's a stainless steel blue and gray. Then there's a stainless steel brown and blue and a gunmetal brown and black. Which one of these do you buy? The stainless with the white dial. With the black band? Yeah. Okay. 
That was the one that I was originally drawn to. I really like the the brown strap with the blue. Now keep in mind, it's 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 very easy to swap out straps on a watch. So okay, really, you should be buying the the case and the dial. Really. Okay, so I do like this blue face. I think it's my favorite face, the blue. I really like this gunmetal. Well, actually, it's I guess it would be the brown. Like I think I want to see that in person. Like whatever this brushed brown steel is. I love. I kind of wish it had either the white face or the blue face and not the gunmetal face. But I'd like to see that. Like, do you think that that would, what do you think that would look like? I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean. Does something like that scuff a lot? Like, would, would there be metal showing through if that got scratched? I don't, I don't know. Possibly. Hmm. And you know what? I'm going to be real nitpicky here. I don't like the way that it says Swiss movement on the dial. I do not like that apostrophe T. <laughs> it's kind of driving me nuts. I just noticed it, and I don't like it at all. Oh, well, there you go. You know, you don't you don't need it anymore. No, I don't. I don't like it. Why would they do that? Like, why is that necessary? I don't know. I would like somebody. I'm sure. I'm sure Timex is listening to us right now. And if you I are doubt, Timex, I doubt Timex is listening to us right <laughs> if now. If Timex is listening, or if somebody knows Timex, I want to know who made the decision to write Swiss moved on the dial because it looks ridiculous. Okay, never mind. I'm sorry I even brought this up. I'm disgusted now. I'm not really disgusted, but that is a bummer. Do, do little things like that ruin watches for you? Uh, I mean, it depends on what it is. I mean, it, it's it's. I, it does come down to detail sometimes, yeah. But um, sometimes you got to wear it first to to figure that out. All right. So, like that one in particular, would that would that cause you to look at the watch differently or no? Uh, that particular detail, no, I don't think so. Okay. No, I I I'd, I'd be, I think I'd be able to look past that. I think I could look past it if it was a hundred dollar watch. I can't look past it for a five hundred dollar watch. But then I imagine that some watch people are probably looking at that, and five hundred dollars is probably a cheap watch. Well, it is, but those same people who at five hundred bucks is a cheap watch likely aren't going to buy a Timex. But that being said, um, the prices you see on Timex's website are are the most you'll pay anywhere for a Timex. Um, in a lot of cases, you can buy that that watch for probably cheaper somewhere else. I'm looking right now. I just did a quick Google search. Uh, Nordstrom's got it for four ninety five. I like Long Island Watch or something like that. Long Island Watch on my way. Real time follow up, folks. Long yeah, no one cares about this. They're like, we're just going to turn you off. We came to hear <laughs> stories. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, so here's. I'm just going to Timex. I can cut all this if it's too boring. Documents. Um, didn't come up in the search. I, I'm not looking anymore. So. If I find it for cheaper, I'll let you know. But when I did the quick Google search, Nordstrom was selling it for four ninety five. So, I mean, that's a retailer, so it's yeah. But there's more. There's probably better watch specific vendors that would potentially have it for cheaper. Gotcha. All right, all right. Well, that watch thing went a little longer than I thought it was going to. So I think we should probably just dive right into the stories. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So um, I don't know. You want to kick us off? Yeah. 
So the prompt this month was um, kind of like a cloud. I was way up, way up in the sky. Correct. So, you know, obviously I had no idea what I was going to do with that. Um, but uh, I took inspiration from my children again. Nice. And uh, the title of my story is The Legend of Bad Smote. All right. I'm ready for it. Kind of like a cloud. I was way up, way up in the sky. My ratty sneakers would frame the setting sun before gravity won out and the creak of the swings chains filled my ears. Then I'd fall backward with my shoes dragging in the rut beneath before I was up again, poised to dive bomb the earth with the spear of my legs. The cricket song called out from all around. The foliage that surrounded the playground was infused with it. That and the far-off sound of a lawnmower sealed the moment. I was in the midst of summer, the sweet spot where every nuance captured the season in a way that was unmistakable even the way the air smelled. My friends lingered nearby. Jimbo was busy spinning himself sick on the carousel while Tommy did his best to walk up the slide, slipping with each chirp of his rubber soles on the war metal. We were too big for the playground, but not big enough that we cared. It was getting late, and we were bored and lazy with nothing on the horizon as far as responsibility was concerned. We were summer. Still, the threat of parental admonishment stood as firm motivation to head back home. So long as we were back in our neighborhood by dark, we were golden. None of us wanted to be grounded for the last couple weeks before school. Let's go spit off the bridge first, Jimbo said with his sandy blonde hair falling into his eyes. We agreed and followed Jimbo onto the trail that wove its way into the woods at the far end of the playground. It was well lit, and we all loved standing in the middle of the bridge and spitting into the stream. So it was as good a plan as we'd had all day. Shards of light cut through the canopy of leafy green above us. Cicadas called out along with the rustle of other wildlife. They were the happy, carefree sounds we took for granted. We'd taken that path countless times before, and we knew it like we knew the rise and fall of the cracked asphalt at the other end that would take us sailing into our driveways. We made our way for a few minutes with Tommy whistling and smacking leaves with his palm. His hair was as orange as orange can be, carrots and all that. He halted when we all heard voices. There were laughter and cursing, and we could tell it was a group of older kids. Our suspicion was confirmed when they came into view. There were two of them, teenagers as far as I could tell. The one had a can of beer up to his mouth, and the plastic rings of a near-spent six-pack dangled from his hand. He had a thick patch of peach fuzz on his upper lip. The other had his own can, and the smiling sneer of his mouth held all the cruel malevolence of a 15-year-old whose mean streak was probably whipped into him by his father. He traded grins with mustache as they walked up to us. It's kind of late for you kids, isn't it? Tommy jutted out his chin. Nah, the sun hasn't set yet. Mustache made a mock baby face. Aw, you gotta run home to mommy when it gets dark? Jimbo took it in stride, matter of fact. Yeah, so what's your point? Mustache stepped nearer. He looked Jimbo right in the eye. My point is you don't want to be out here after dark. Yeah, why not, I asked. He stepped toward me, right up in my face, and all I could smell was the beer. Because of bad smoke. Ah, uh, he's not real. That's just a made-up story, I said. His friend Smiley cut in. He is, too. Ronnie Dawkins saw him once. Everyone knew about Ronnie Dawkins and how he stumbled into the woods one night, drunk as a skunk. It was a local legend. He went around ranting about what he'd seen and how he knew it was bad smoke. That was years back before I can remember. I just knew the story my older brother told me.
The bad smoke lore went back even further, way back. Something about a crooked old man who wandered too deep into the holler and got attacked by some kind of mythical creatures who still live there. Ferocious little things called neeners, and they turned him into bad smote on account of him being so bad. After that, he wandered around looking for kids who wandered too deep just like he had so he could steal their youth. They say he's got a hundred legs, Mustache said. And he's got two mouths, said Smiley. He's got no eyes, but to him it's better to eat you than to see you. Right, and he can hear you real good. You won't even know he's there. He just climbs down out of a tree and whispers to you, bad smote, bad smote, right before he gets you. Smiley crushed a beer can as if for effect. Mustache peered closer at us with as serious a look as you can imagine. And his claws, man, they just dig right into you. They just dig away until there's nothing left. We all traded nervous looks right before Tommy spoke up. Yeah, well, my mom says Ronnie Dawkins was just a drunk. Mustache shook his head. Fine, then. Don't believe us. It's your funeral. They both laughed at us as we walked past them deeper into the undergrowth. We'd spent enough time talking to them that it was getting pretty dark by then. I thought spinning off the bridge was out of the question at that point, and though no one would admit it, we all just wanted to get out of the woods. It was the nocturnal chatter that really drove us faster. It always sounded more sinister at night. Sort of like creepy things just wanting to slither out and latch onto you. So none of us talked. Not even Jimbo the Motormouth. He'd usually sing us the whole way home, but not that night. We had about a half mile to go when we heard rustling in the bushes. It startled us the first time. And then when we heard it again, we set out at a jog. All those sounds amped up the intensity, and we were pretty close to being blind with the ground we couldn't see flying beneath our feet, tripping over roots and stumps, but we kept going anyway. Then someone jumped out of the woods and screamed, Ah! It was Mustache. Then Smiley did the same, jumping down from a tree. We all yelled and jumped back, a shock of terror mixed with a flash of anger at the mean trick they just played on us. Jimbo complained and Tommy fumbled over his words. I just scowled. Mustache and Smiley just laughed and laughed. It looked like it hurt they were laughing so hard. I followed you guys the whole way, Mustache said. Smiley pointed at us in derision. And I ran ahead. Then Mustache stopped laughing like he was a TV and someone had unplugged him. His face went pale and he asked, Did you hear that? Hear what? I asked. I just heard a whisper. It said, Bad smoke. Shut up. I'm not falling for that. Mustache didn't falter. I'm serious. I heard it. Smiley just continued to laugh. It's not funny, man, I said. Mustache took a hesitant step back and his eyes looked like golf balls. Then we all heard it, a hoarse, gravelly whisper, bad smoke. Without warning, a hideous brown form leapt down from the tree, spindly arms grasping out from Mustache like some freakish insect. Mustache screamed as the creature grabbed him before yanking him upward. His legs dangled beneath the lowest hanging limbs as a howl of abject terror escaped his lungs, and then he was gone, out of sight with nothing but crunching sound somewhere beneath the leaves. We ran. With blistering manic speed, we ran. Tommy fell and got back up. I didn't slow down. Jimbo went off to the right, but I could hear him running through the trees. I don't know what happened to Smiley, and I didn't care. With our lungs seared for air, Tommy and I stretched out our legs for the final dash that took us down a gully and out under the stars. We burst out into a clearing with our neighborhood in sight. Slowing, we turned and waited for Jimbo to catch up. When he did, 
We all collapsed in a heap under the giant oak tree whose branches reached out over the end of our street. For a minute, there was only the raspy sound of our breathing. No one spoke, though I'm not sure any of us would have known what to say. It was almost as if what we just witnessed wasn't real. Then just as our breathing slowed and the hint of a calm began to set in, we heard a rustle in the leaves above, along with a faint whisper. Bad smoke. The end. Okay, so the first thing, <laughs> the first thing I'm going to say is I love the fact that you're like doing voices. Yeah. You're like, I love it. Um, I really enjoyed this because it felt very like, um, I'm trying to figure out how to put this. It, it how old were, did you say how old the, um, like Jimbo and them were, or am I just, I kind of put them like preteen. Is that about right? Yeah, they were too old to be on the playground, but not old enough that it really mattered. They were like sort of those in-between type age. Because Mustache was a teenager, and you did say that they were too old for the playground, so I just figured they were kind of in the middle there. Yeah. It, it, the whole thing felt like very much like it was, it was a very realistic take on that stage of life. Like this is the, the kind of like – it was the kind of shit that like kids do, like the spitting on the bridge, like just going to spit off the bridge. Like those kids probably thought that they were like the biggest rebels in the world when really they were doing nothing. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> – There was like a touch of like youthful innocence to this whole thing. I And I, I noticed again like the, the way that you – um. You named the character Mustache. Yeah. I love how your character, like you've done this before with the, um, with the one in the bar when Elvis saved. Um, right. Yeah. That was the last episode, I think. Where they, they named their characters based on like physical characteristics. And that's totally what a kid would do. Like, like I'm not even going to bother with his name. He's Mustache because he's got a right. creepy ass mustache. Uh, it's just, it's little things like that, that I think bring these characters to life. So you said your kids inspired this. How, <laughs> how'd that happen? So Bad Smote is a character they created. They created? Yeah, I don't know where it came from, but it was like one of these days it was like, oh, Bad Smote's going to get you. I'm like, who's Bad Smote? <laughs> and when I asked, the description is always different. Like sometimes he's got 100 legs and then he's got no eyes and sometimes he's got, you know, 10 arms and just they make up different stuff every time. And so I just... I sometimes I go chase him. I'm like, you know, bad smoke's going to get you. And I do the like the little the bad smoke voice and they laugh and then I tickle them and they they scream and it's just a little game we play. But I have no that's, idea where that's where bad awesome. Smoke came from. Well, because yeah. uh, well, that was another question I had written down, like, where did you come up with this name? So like they just kind of pulled it out of like thin air. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where it came from. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah, even the little creatures in the woods, the neeners, like it's just some <laughs> weird word they made up. I I have this written down. I need more stories about the neeners from the holler. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you need to make that a thing. When you said holler, I got excited. Because <laughs> <laughs> my my like my wife's grandparents like lived in the holler in West Virginia. Oh, really? And like like I've heard stories about the holler. I won't go to the holler. <laughs> 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 but like I want to hear more about the Neeners and Holler. Like, you didn't describe the Neeners at all. Do we know no. what a Neener is? Like, did you build it? No Do you idea. have any, like, backstory? No. I just, no, <laughs> not at all. It's just a word. Okay. Think about that. Because <laughs> I would, like, if, if you could, I'd really like to know a little backstory on the Neeners. <laughs> I'll think about it. Because they were, they were mythological creatures, right? Yes. That, yeah. that, that turned this old, old guy into bad smoke? Yeah, right. 
Yeah, we need to know I, more I had about to, them. I had to build all that backstory. So you should see if your kids can do it. You'd be like, hey, yeah. tell me where the Neeners came from. What does a Neener look like? That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. I loved it. Yes. So that's really where it, I mean, it was just sort of like, what do I do? What do I do with this? Uh, you know, this prompt. And then for some reason, I, I had the the swing set in mind. And then, um, you know, like I said, kids always have some kind of weird thing they're talking about. So I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll write a story about Batsmote and forever memorialize him. You know, someday they'll be able to look back and laugh. That's awesome. Yeah, the uh, well, I mean, that's actually awesome. Like when your kids are like 30 years old and be like, my dad used to have a podcast once. And then they're like scrolling through the titles and they see the legend of Bad Smoke. Because I'm going to guess that they don't listen to it now. Oh, are you kidding with the way you talk now? <laughs> listen, they're going to hear these words someday. I, I realize that, but they're four and five. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know. I, I always forget, like, there's a huge age difference between our kids. Oh, yeah. I have a freshman in high school right now. Hey, there you go. Oh, man. Oh, well, really well done. And I, I'm going to try to quiz you in the future about these neeners. Or the <laughs> next time I see your kids, I'm going to be like, neener, 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 and see what they do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, this was a hard prompt, man. I, um... It was so specific, you know? It was, and it was, like, so out there, and it's, like, you're trying to figure out, like, what, like, how familiar were you with the song? Yeah, I, I haven't even went back to listen to it. I It could be one of those songs where if I heard it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know that song, but I, I can't place the song with the title. You'll you'll instantly know it. Yeah, I, I, I think you'll instantly it. know it. I mean, um, I wasn't sure, like, I wasn't sure how into Nine Inch Nails you were. I wasn't. Yeah, but I think, I think this one, it was... I'm pretty sure it was like their first big radio hit off of Pretty Hate Machine. Okay. So um, I, might, I might be real wrong. Like, I don't know my Nine Inch Nail history. I'm pretty sure that this was like their first big radio hit, but um, I think you'd recognize it in a second. So I'm starting off the year incredibly Matt-like. I have no title for my story. Untitled is okay. Yeah, I think... There will be a title by the time the episode comes out. I, I, It's one of those things where I know what I want the title to convey, but I don't really have the words for it yet. So as Got of it. right now, the story is untitled, but by the time you're listening to this, there will be a little tighter on the screen. All right. Do, wait, do we have anything else to say about Bad Smoke? I don't think so, no. It's pretty uh, simple. I, yeah, I want you to thank your kids, though, because that was awesome. And <laughs> Again... Try to find out about the Neeners for me. I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. So as of right now, untitled, but maybe I'll even go back and record the title later. So we don't know. Are you ready? Yep. All right. The bell rang and Mr. Clark motioned for everyone to settle down without looking up from his desk. He perused through some papers, selected one, and scanned down the left side of the page with his index finger, tapping the page hard when he found what he was looking for. He looked up at his class, surveying each student until his eyes met hers. She had to work hard to keep a straight face and hope that she wasn't blushing. It took every ounce of her being to keep from squealing with delight every time she began the source of his attention. LF-52179, he called to her. Yes, Mr. Clark? You're the only member of this class that has yet to select their name for the upcoming assimilation ceremony. Your temporary identifier is set to expire tomorrow, and at this point, you are no longer eligible to be issued another. I have to pick right now? 
She gave her best attempt to give him what had been referred to as puppy dog eyes, a tactic taught to her in the male manipulation workshop she took last term. Right now. She sighed as she flipped to the back page of her notebook where she had made a list of potential names. She mimicked his searching technique, letting her fingers stop on a random entry. Gertrude. He looked at her for a long beat, waiting to see if she was serious. There was no indication that she was joking. That's good, but a bit old-fashioned. I'm afraid you may not be able to easily blend in with such an uncommon name. We don't really want you to call any additional attention to yourself. What else do you have written down there? Oh no, she upset him. Flustered, she scanned the list again, looking for something more suitable. Bethany? He removed his glasses from his face, rubbing the bridge of his nose between his thumb and index finger. Damn, she was making it worse. Abigail? He sighed, now visibly frustrated. Look, if you're not going to take this seriously, then Miranda, she blurted out, desperate not to upset him any further. Miranda, he repeated as he looked deep into her eyes. I like it. Prepare to enter maintenance protocol. She tapped the sensors placed between the skin of her thumb and middle finger together in the correct sequence. Two short, one long, one short, and brought her middle fingers up to her temples. As they made contact, her eyes went dark before illuminating a pale blue. A metallic voice rang out from her throat, despite the fact that she was immobilized. ID and authorization code. Clark, 2730. Update temporary identification tag LF52179 to Miranda in all instances found in primary database. Update in progress, replied the automated voice. Estimated time of completion, 7 minutes and 11 seconds. Update in background. Exit maintenance protocol. Miranda's eyes flashed again and flickered a few times. She could feel the update running in her head. The high-pitched whine and faint buzzing always made her uncomfortable. Mr. Clark came around the front of his desk and took a seat on the edge of it. Now that that's over with, who wants to read their poem out loud to the class? The hands of every student remained glued to their desks. He grinned as he scanned the room once again. Miranda, how about you? There was nothing she could do. All students were programmed to respond affirmatively to any request made by an instructor. She turned to the proper page in her notes and began to read. Kind of like a cloud, I was up, way up in the sky. The words hung in the air as she waited for him to respond. Go on. That's it. Wait, what? That might be a line from a poem, but Miranda, that's not a poem. She huffed in frustration. As if the update wasn't bad enough, now she had to try and rectify this situation. I don't understand what the point of this is. Why do humans even care about this? It's just a jumble of words with hidden meanings that rhyme. It's hard to write and hard to read. Why even bother? Well, he looked around at the rest of the room, everyone awaiting his rebuttal. I guess I don't really know. Ha! Miranda shrunk down in her seat. That wasn't supposed to come out. What I do know is that it is part of your required curriculum, and it's my job to teach it to you. If you want the chance to enter my world, you'll need to complete the required assignments. Her confidence shattered as quickly as it had been built up. She crossed her arms and dropped her eyes to her desk. Anyone else have a poem to share? Not a single hand was raised. Okay, there are 40 minutes left in this period. You have 20 of them to get at least a poem started. One stanza is all I ask. We'll all be sharing these with each other before you leave this classroom today, so no fooling around. Miranda, you'll be first to go. Get to work. 
Mr. Clark walked back around his desk and typed something into the keypad in the lower right-hand corner of the whiteboard that hung facing the class. As he took his seat, a timer appeared on the board, counting down 20 minutes. Miranda stared at her page, trying to will some poetic prose into existence. When nothing came to mind, she turned her attention to the window. The campus that contained the school was actually an old prison that had been converted into an assimilation center, so nothing but flat land surrounded the cluster of brick buildings as far as the eyes could see. A system of dark clouds was creeping over a distant tree line. She tapped her sensors on her right hand three times in quick succession and brought her middle finger to her temple. Administrative access granted, said a voice in her head. Shit. Wrong code. This update has her all messed up. Wait. Administrative access. Eh. She shrugged it off. That couldn't be right. She tapped her fingers twice and tried again. Head-up display. Activated. A wealth of information began to overlay her field of vision. She focused on the cloud formation, and the impertinent information began to dissipate. The storm was 23.36 miles away, being propelled toward them by 10-mile-an-hour winds. It was part of a storm system encompassing 37.74 square miles, so it was safe to say that all of her outdoor activities this evening would be canceled. Damn it, she thought as she tapped her fingers, turning off the display. At that moment, the words came to her. She went back to her notebook to write it down before she lost the thought. Rain, rain, go away. Come again, some other day. LF052... She scratched that out. Miranda wants to play. She looked at it for a few seconds before scribbling it out, leaving no trace of the words under layers and layers of graphite. She had always found this rhyme to be ridiculous, even when she was younger. Were human children so naive that they thought this silly incantation would actually be able to shift a weather system away from them? She turned back to look out the window, hopeful that some other form of inspiration would present itself to her, when something caught the corner of her eye. Nancy was approaching Mr. Clark's desk. Her eyes followed as the sensuous blonde sauntered over to his side, pulling his attention away from something that had to be more important than whatever mindless dribble her simplistic mind was struggling with. She pointed to something on her paper, and Mr. Clark leaned in to focus on the page. Nancy mumbled something to him resulting in an exchange of laughter between the two of them. She placed her hand on his shoulder and tossed her hair back, continuing even after he had stopped. Her hand slid down to his bicep, which Miranda swore she saw her give a gentle squeeze. What a slut! Nancy then revealed her true purpose in traveling to the front of the room, but making eye contact with her and giving her a little wink as she licked her lips. Truth be told, Miranda had always known that Nancy was a bit of an asshole. But at the beginning of this term, the two shared a study period and had begun to get close. Miranda had confided in her that she was crushing hard on Mr. Clark, even though student-teacher relationships were strictly forbidden. Ever since that day, Nancy had taken every opportunity to put her filthy hands on Mr. Clark, and always made sure that Miranda took notice. At least he wasn't oblivious to it. He took a cautious look at the girl's hand on his arm before ending the conversation. Great work, Nancy. Now, go take a seat and keep yourself busy until the rest of the class is done. Nancy curtsied and let her finger trail down the length of his arm, causing him to push himself away. She cast one last smirk at Miranda before collecting her paper and stepping away from his desk. Miranda shot daggers at her from across the room. She didn't know what she did to spark this rivalry, but she wanted it to stop. She wished that someone would just shut her down, but harmless flirting hardly qualified for such a harsh punishment. The voice in her head returned. Shutdown sequence initiated, acquiring target. 
The heads-up display returned with a thermal overlay applied. She looked at Nancy, and her silhouetted figure was filled in with swirls of red, yellow, green, and blue. Blink once to lock target. Miranda blinked. Target locked. Temporary or permanent shutdown? The two choices appeared on the display to the left and right, respectively. She looked left and blinked. Temporary shutdown commencing in three, two, one. Miranda watched as Nancy collapsed in a heap between the rows of desks, just steps away from her final destination. Mr. Clark jumped out of his seat and rushed over to the aid of the fallen. He checked her status and ran back to his desk, mashing a hidden button underneath the work surface. The glow of a soft red emergency light could be seen flashing in the hallway outside the classroom. It was only a matter of seconds before a nurse came bursting into the room. She took one look at Nancy laying motionless on the floor and darted back into the hallway. Some rustling noises were heard, and then she came back in with a stretcher in tow. With the help of Mr. Clark, they got Nancy situated and extended the stretcher to full height so she could be easily wheeled out of the room. The nurse was nearly out the door before Mr. Clark called her back in. Wait, before you go, can you run a quick diagnostic sequence for me? The nurse tapped her sensors four times and placed her finger on Nancy's temple. Diagnostic complete. Who initiated the shutdown? Miranda's jaw fell open. Of course they'd be able to tell that. She hadn't even been able to go to the bathroom once in her entire life without the date, time, and volume being entered into a database. She was done for. LF-52179. Mr. Clark looked over to Miranda in disbelief, but the guilt written all over her face gave him a full confession. He shook his head as he reached for a second button beneath his desk, triggering a blue light in the hall. A disciplinary officer entered the room, passing the stretcher as it crossed the threshold. What do you got for me? Mr. Clark's voice reeked of disappointment. Double violation. Article 782.1. Unauthorized access to administrative mode. Article 43.2. Targeted attack on fellow student resulting in temporary shutdown. Recommended course of disciplinary action. Subject is unable to control emotional state. Full reset. No! Miranda screamed as the officer made his way over to her. She looked around for a chance to escape but had nowhere to go. The officer had one hand on her shoulder when she screamed again, startling him enough to cause him to pull his arm back. Wait! I need to finish something. Miranda jumped back into her seat and began to write in her notebook. The officer and Mr. Clark exchanged a look but allowed her to finish. She wrote for a couple of minutes before stopping to read it over. Once satisfied, she placed her pencil in the crease between the pages before rising to her feet. She caught his gaze one last time and mumbled something he couldn't make out. She blinked away a tear before turning to the officer. I'm ready. She allowed the officer to take her arm and lead her out of the room. As the door closed behind her, she took one last look through the window at Mr. Clark, who was now standing by her desk with her notebook in hand. Kind of like a cloud, I was up, way up in the sky and I was feeling some feelings you wouldn't believe. Sometimes I don't believe them myself, and I decided I was never coming down. What I used to think was me is just a fading memory. I looked him right in the eye and said goodbye. I used to be somebody. Oh, I liked it, man. Where did that come from? Okay, so... That's totally not you. So this was... Dude, I've been struggling. I, this was one of the prompts that I've really, like, I struggled with. So, like, originally, I wanted, I always wanted it, to, like, I knew right off the bat that I wanted to be um, a student trying to write a poem. 
And I was going to make some commentary about how poems are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But then, so I was thinking about it. And so I was like, okay, so she's going to write the poem. And I wanted her to be in a classroom because all of, like the rain, rain, go away, he used in the song. So if you go listen to the song, you're going to hear a lot of this stuff in there. I used like a quite a bit of lyrics from the song in here. Okay. Um, the, in fact, the whole poem at the end was like a mishmash of his lyrics, like kind of out of order. I wondered about that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, because I'm not writing a fucking poem. But originally, the girl was going to see the other girl. <laughs> and there's, there's a line in the song where he's like... Um, Cross my heart and hope to die, but the needle's already in my eye. So I was gonna have the, I was gonna have her go stab this bitch in the face. Of course you are. <laughs> well, and then I I really started thinking about it, and I was like, I don't I don't want to write about violence in a school. Okay, fair enough. So it's it seemed even for me in bad taste. So I was like, but I couldn't get this this whole concept out of my head. Right. So I was like, well, maybe if they're not human, it's not as bad. And then maybe if nobody dies and they just get shut down, it's not as bad. So I kind of just like it just kind of started coming to me. So I don't know. But then it's funny because I was sitting there at the end and I was like, I bet you that Ian is going to ask me, like, (laughs) what's going on in this world? So I kind of I kind of wrote something out interested yeah yeah i mean it's like it's i mean you went sci-fi i mean i I did and that was so do you read sci-fi at all uh i mean i'm not as not as a rule i mean i'm sure i've read some sci-fi but i i i'm not well read in that respect no so i don't read sci-fi so i was real worried about trying to write sci-fi because i've never really read it like i mean i've read do androids dream of electric sheep yeah, I read that. Um, I've read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I've read Dune. That's about it. Like, I'm not a huge sci-fi guy. So I was kind of hoping that it would come off as okay. Was it okay? Like, I think so. I mean, I, I don't dislike sci-fi. I just haven't read a ton of it. But, I mean, yeah, it, I think it was – I think it worked. I mean, there's different, I think, sort of um, – variations of it some of it's really hard sciency where it it's sort of uh you know everything has an internal consistency with regard to how things work from like a technology perspective but Mm -hmm. there's sort of the the blurred line where like you might be drifting into fantasy a little bit but it's still techy enough that most people probably consider it science fiction so um in in your case i mean i think you know, the the space and the format isn't large enough for you to really delve into any detail. Right. So I, I still would call it sci-fi. I think. Okay. So like that, that was kind of my concern is because I wasn't be able to, I wasn't able to provide a whole lot of information like as to why this whole thing exists. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's fine because again, like it goes back to like, there's the genre convention and then there's like just what you want to do with it. Right. But I do think that this may be a world that I might end up going back to at some point. Oh, okay. Because here's here's what I wrote down. I wrote, the school is the creation of a group of scientists working in a collaborative to see if they are able to influence society by inserting a control group of AI humanoid devices to live amongst the masses. So essentially, they're creating like perfect straight-of-the-mill humans to see if they can alter society, right? Okay. So it's almost like... It's intriguing. Yeah. So then I wrote, 
They operate exclusively through machine learning, so they recruit teaching professionals who support their cause to instruct the replicants. And I know I use the word replicants. I couldn't think of anything better, and I don't want to be that guy who uses, like, the fucking Blade Runner terminology, but right. for the sake of this, we're, we're saying replicants. Okay. As if they are humans, albeit the program is accelerated. So I almost... I don't want to say it's like Billy Madison where you're going through every grade in two weeks, but they're not in school for 12 years because they're created devices. So they're going to get like essentially a high school education in an accelerated amount of time that I have yet to determine. Got it. I wrote the trickiest part of the training is moderating the emotional balance as we saw here. If settings don't allow them to suppress the need to act out when emotionally triggered, the replicant is reset, settings tweaked, and reinserted back into the program. At this time, there is no protocol in place to roll back prior to learning a skill, hence the need for a full reset. That's all I got. I think it's good. I mean, I uh, I think what's I, I think <clears throat> the detail you did provide rang true. You know, it, it flowed well and didn't I wasn't scratching my head about like, what does he really mean there or how would that work? Like it all I just accepted it as, as truth. Right. Yeah. And um I think what's so exciting about this is that at least early on, and I think based on sort of some of your commentary, the types of stories you like to read and write are more of the everyday grounded in reality type stuff, which absolutely that that's, that's fine. But like, I, that's sort of where I started out at when I was writing. Cause I mm -hmm. just had for some strange reason, despite what I like to read or watch movie wise, like I just had this aversion to writing anything fantastic. And I, I started writing stories that were extremely grounded slice life stuff. And then at some point I realized that, um, not only did I not like what I was writing, but, um, this weird desire to keep things grounded, I think was curtailing my creativity a little bit. And so, um, I, I, I'm excited to see if this becomes a trend with you of like starting to write stuff outside of that, that sort of zone. Yeah. It, it's interesting because I like really this kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. So, um, those are the best ideas sometimes, you know, as of right now, just thinking of like some of like the, you know, very basic ideas that I have, like, you know, like I have a bunch of like just fragments of ideas scribbled down or in various note-taking apps on my phone or whatever. Um, there's nothing really out there. There's nothing that's like the creation of a whole new world. Like there might be the world we know it isn't, has been altered in some way, like something slightly, slightly different. Right. Um, but there's nothing where like, I've just, I have nothing that is so far like outside the realm of what could be possible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I've never, never really read much like fantasy or anything like that where people are actually like creating entire worlds. Well, I mean, it, I think it, it I think it goes back to, we had a world building conversation in season one. I think it goes back to, you still have to ground it somewhat in our world or something quasi familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, I don't think it's quite as difficult. Maybe, you know, if you're going to the extent of I'm writing my own language, right. For this world, like, okay, you've gone off the deep end, but I don't think it's quite as involved as maybe you think it would be. I think that's one of those things. Maybe I've just been, 
maybe I'm operating based on like, you know, stereotypes on the genre. Like maybe I've only been, maybe I've only noticed like the most extreme. Like if, if I'm, I'd be fine reading a book, but if I see you like a character name written down that I have to sit there and for 30 seconds and try to figure out how to pronounce that name. Yeah. Like I'm not interested in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why I kind of, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I, I actually, I had a lot of fun writing this because it was so different. Right. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe there's more sci-fi in my future, but I mean, I have to imagine that there's going to be some children in peril or murder happening sometime soon. <laughs> well, the the beauty of this format <laughs> is that you can try those things. You can experiment a little bit. You can take a stab at something you, you're not normally doing. And then... Uh, you know, find out if it works, if you like it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, I kind of alluded to that, but like earlier in the episode, it's like, there's, I feel less pressure writing the stories for this podcast because it is like an experiment. It's a, it's a, it's a exercise, you know what I mean? And yeah. if, it, if it doesn't land the way that I want it to land, oh, well, we'll try again next month. Exactly. But, you know, so far I think I've had pretty decent luck with them landing. So hopefully that trend continues. Yeah. 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 I never know what I'm going to get from you. I mean, it's, it's always a surprise. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, <laughs> next keep month, me interested. I need to try to, um, to figure out how I'm going to avert my mind from next month's <laughs> prompt. But, oh, um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to talk about today? Or I think we're good. Uh, yeah, I think we're good. All right. So before I get to the, the normal outro stuff, I just want to take this time every year for the past, like seven years, I've participated in, um, a charity event called Extra Life, which is a 24-hour video game marathon or gaming marathon. Some people play board games or whatever. I do video games. I play for 24 hours a year. I fundraise. All the money goes to UH Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital in Cleveland. But you can have the money go to any Children's Miracle Network hospital of your choice if there's one in your area or whatever. All the money goes straight to the Children's Hospital. It's a great cause. I'll throw a link in there if you don't mind, Ian, just to my fundraising page. If anybody wants to care. throw a buck or two my way, that'd be great. I do it every year. It's a great cause. I work in the hospital, so I get to see what Children's Miracle Network does throughout the whole year, and it's a fantastic organization, and we wouldn't have a lot of stuff here without them. So that's my real quick pitch. I'm going to throw the link down there. If you want to donate or participate, go there. You'll get all the information. All right, back to the the normal out. We want to know what you want us to write about. To do so, visit our Facebook group. You can join us there at facebook.com slash group slash prwrittenpod. You can hit us up on Twitter at prwrittenpod or email us at promptlywrittenpod at gmail.com. Ian, where's the best place for people to get info about you? Ianlewisfiction.com. You got any sales going on or anything? Uh, not at the moment. I'll probably at the end of the year, like around Christmas time or something, I'll have sales. All right. Well... Don't wait for the sales. Go pay full price. If you haven't checked out our last episode, we took a deep dive into his la- into Ian's latest novel from Legend, and I think that episode turned out really well. So um, go read the book, then go back and listen to us talk about the book. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Matchagaric on Twitter or go to matchagaric.com for a slew of other ways to reach out and get a hold of me. Our next episode, episode 15, will drop on November 4th, and the prompt will be... It doesn't matter how deep you bury it. Ian, I'm going to have a real problem keeping my mind on the right track for this one.
Yeah. Yeah. I'm scared, man. <laughs> so um, um, I'm a little scared. I don't think we mentioned it earlier, but this week's prompt was, um, was, uh, um, I mentioned it. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. And this prompt for the next episode, this how deep you bury it thing was also provided by friend of the show, Utah from worldgonegeek.com. <laughs> 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 oh, <clears throat> fuck. Never mind. Fuck it. I'm just, I'm just going to go with it. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps in... in... <laughs> God damn it. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get the word out. That's it for today. See you next month.